0: Hello and welcome to the Pixel Swim Podcast, episode 31. This is the podcast where I take a dive into my personal journey through design and technology and where they meet, plus other tidbits I find interesting. My name is Steve Heinrich, the host. Uh, This is being recorded on Wednesday, August 22nd, and will be released on Thursday, August 23rd, 2018. Uh, Make sure to visit Pixelswim.com for all the show notes and social links if you want to follow along. And yeah, uh, thanks for tuning in again, episode 31. So like usual, we'll start off with some weekly notes and feedback. So this week I sold my Moto X4. (laughs) So I had it for about two months, almost two months even. And I just decided that it was not uh, the device for me. Um, I was having a lot of trouble with the camera. The camera was kind of letting me down quite a bit. Uh, to the effects where I was t- any photo I took with a flash did not save. So it was kind of a really buggy and disappointing experience overall with the Moto X4 camera, which is unfortunate. Uh, there was a few updates to the camera app while I had it, but it just, you know, they never really resolved uh, all the bugs and the issues that I was having. So... I just, you know, it was, I think I had mentioned I was getting a little bit, a little bit bored with the device (laughs) and it was just kind of the final straw. So I threw it up on Swappa and it sold (laughs) not much longer after I posted it. So that has out the door and shipped out to the, (laughs) to the person who bought it. And so, yeah, that puts some funds back in the PayPal account. And I am again going to be looking for another (laughs) Android device, which I have been looking for since I sold it a couple days ago so with that said the devices that I'm kind of narrowing down to are as follows I'm looking for a potentially getting a an LG stylo 4 so that is that was recently released not too long ago Uh, it's the uh, budget LG phone that comes with the stylus big 6.2 inch screen uh, and you know, and, and you know, the not not huge bezels, so the screen isn't you know, it's not a giant phone. It's pretty big. Basically, LG's answer to the Samsung Note series, but on the you know, affordable affordable uh, note like device. So it it it's always piqued my interest. Uh, I had the original. I think I talked about it <laughs> last week when I talked about my phone history uh, about having the stylo, the original stylo and thought it was interesting. And so I've always kind of had my eye on that line. And I haven't been super impressed with the stylo two or three. Uh, They were just okay, from what I could tell, especially, I could just tell that the speaker on them, uh, which is important to me was not the best uh, and it was back placement and stuff on the on the stylo three and four so or two and three I'm sorry but the stylo four kinda goes in line with the design language of the LG G6 and the LG Q7 so it's got that nice uh, metal frame with a, well, this one has a plastic back it is a budget device so it's got 32 gigabytes of storage and two gigs of RAM so it like I said a budget device for sure but uh, there's actually Here in the U.S., uh, it was released on T-Mobile and MetroPCS, which both of those are T-Mobile companies, and they both run on T-Mobile's network. And so you can get a Stylo 4 MetroPCS version and an unlock code, because I'm not 100% sure if it will work with my my SIM uh, card, which because I'm on Mint Mobile, which runs on T-Mobile's network. But... I've read things in the past about Metro PCS phones being kind of locked to specifically to Metro PCS SIMs. Um, In the past, I have used T-Mobile branded devices, locked devices uh, uh, with my Mint SIM sim card. And so there's a chance (laughs) that this Metro PCS. Stylo 4 could work with my my SIM card, but I'm not 100% sure. But either way, I looked into unlock codes for that. I found a potential unlock code for $9 on eBay if, in fact, it comes down to that. So, yeah, Stylo 4 on my radar. And then, I again, I just looked at getting the Moto E4 Plus again. <laughs> so that's a phone that I've already bought twice and got rid of. Um, The other thing that I noticed and the reason that's kind of back on my list or back on my radar is the fact that I noticed that, you know, while I had the Moto X4 that I was just running through the battery, uh, not getting through a day because I do listen to podcasts and watch video all day while I'm working uh, and listen to music as well while I'm working during the day. And so the Moto X4, uh, I was, you know, constantly having to plug it in way earlier than I wanted to to charge it up um, and so the Moto E4 when I had that it was not <laughs> even close to an issue I could do the same usage obviously the batteries uh, on the Moto E4 plus is the 5,000 milliamp the battery on the Moto X4 is 3,000 and so but with that said it, the E4 plus also has a you know a lower processor, so it doesn't drain as much battery and also lower resolution screen. So it, you know, a day's use with the Moto X4 uh, is about, you know, uh, using all the battery on the Moto X4 in one day is about 50% of the battery with the Moto E4 Plus. So it's, you know, (laughs) it's just kind of one of those crazy things where I I may go back to that device um, just because it met met a bunch of needs, you know, Uh, mostly in the battery department, the camera was decent. You know, that's the one thing about it that kind of held it back. But uh, it did it. It was actually functioning, you know, Uh, as far as the interface and and it wasn't clunky. I mean, it wasn't the best camera in the world, but it got the job done. So uh, yeah, the Moto E4 Plus is still on my radar. And I would get the 32 gigabyte version of that one if I went back to that. So, yeah, the, the Stylo 4 and the Moto E4 Plus <laughs> to your budget devices. Um, I, I do, I have looked at the Moto E5 Plus, which is the new generation of the Moto, in the Moto E line, uh, because that comes with the 5,000 milliamp hour battery as well. But, Something about it's just not as attractive to me. I think it's got the 18.9 screen, two by one screen. And uh, just not a huge, you know, having the Moto X4, I'm not, you know, not too impressed with Motorola's iteration of their software and their hardware combination these days. Uh, I think it has, it it did kind of peak out for me with uh Android seven point one or whatever nougat on those devices. So uh, again, that would put the Moto E four plus back on the radar for that too. But I, you know, I I did dig in a little bit in my research this week and actually looked at the LG V ten and the LG V twenty as well. Uh, there were T Mobile variants that I can find that are unlocked and uh, that potentially were on my radar as well. Now, the thing with those is that they both have removable batteries. Uh, the LG V10 has a two front-facing cameras. One of them is wide-angle and, and then one back-facing camera. And then on the LG V20, it has two cameras on the back, one of them wide-angle and one camera on the front. So it's like they move the wide-angle camera to the back for the V20. And obviously there's some hardware differences uh, physically for it. Um, I'll put a link to a comparison between the V10 and the V20. But the thing about those is that they are flagship devices and they are getting, you know, a little long in the tooth, a little old, (laughs) a few years old now. I think the V10 is from 2015, which is, you know, only three years old. But and and because it has a replaceable battery, you know, the life of it is still pretty decent. I just, you know, I really like the look and the build quality of the V10. Um, I'm I'm not sure if it was available globally or not. All I know is there was a big advertising push here in the US for it, uh, especially on T-Mobile. And it looks like just a really nice sturdy device. And honestly, looking on Swappa, some of the used ones, even the ones in fair condition still look (laughs) really good. So it, it seems like these They can take a beating and still look pretty good. And, you know, it's a phone, one of the rare phones in the past few years that you might not need a case for. But with that said, the LG V10 came out at around the same time as the LG G4, and they are known to have the boot loop issue. But with that, again, with that, with that said, (laughs) the LG V10 uh, the, the ones that are used on the, on Swappa that I've seen, you know, because they're running, they're still running, you know, uh, in other words, they may be past the boot loop, <laughs> you know, the, if they were going to have a boot loop issue, they probably, probably would have run into it already, but, uh, I may be ignorant of how <laughs> the boot loop issue works, but I know it's something with the motherboard, some sort of issue with the motherboard. So, and it didn't affect every single unit. So, Uh, those are still in my radar, the V10 and the V20. But honestly, I don't think of that I will be going with those. I think if I did, I would have to get extra batteries, you know, and and I've tried out the two battery thing with the Lumia 950. And, you know, having the extra, you do have to remember to charge the other battery. Uh, It's not like the biggest deal in the world. But Having a 5000 milliamp hour battery in the phone already, uh, stock and not having to jam a huge case on it in order to get that sort of power is just superior. (laughs) It's just a lot easier to do. So we'll see what I end up with. Right now, my SIM card is in the Alcatel Idol 4S with Windows 10. So yeah, I'm back in a Windows phone for now, but, and honestly, you know, (laughs) it's making me question a little bit whether I need. An android device as my main device but i'm still gonna keep looking but yeah uh, uh, you know i talk a lot about smartphones on the show that's the technology part of my interest so with that in mind as well they did i i know this is probably old news by now but they came out with the android pi name which is the official name for android 9 and yeah kind of (laughs) boring i just wanted to weigh in on on that I feel like they I don't know it's just but you know what it's it works I mean I don't know I'm, I'm indifferent let's just put it that way Android Pie I don't know when I'm ever gonna have hands-on with it if I had hung on to that x4 it seems like I would have gotten a chance to try out Pie but it's fine you know the name Android Pie not the best in the the sweets lineup for Android but you think they could have got a little bit more creative, but what are you gonna do? Anyway, we'll just enjoy our slice. Enjoy your slice of pie. And hopefully we can they can figure something out for Q. I'm not sure what they're going to do for Android Q, but we shall see. <laughs> anyway. So I'm gonna be talking a lot about some feedback that I got from Guillermo Ortiz. He reached out via email. Um, I've seen him in the Google Plus communities for the phone show, the PSC communities on Google Plus and the photos community there. And so he's a listener. Thank you, Guillermo, for listening. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about some feedback that he gave. Uh, He was he did say he was the only one that reached out that said he was interested in any uh, Pixel Swim merchandise. So with that said, that's enough for me. I'm going to try and create some Pixel Swim merchandise, maybe some T-shirts and mugs and stuff kind of like what whatever works did and just, you know, put it out there. I don't think it uh, is a big deal (laughs) if to just put it out there. So especially because I'm not going to have it order, you know, I'm not going to order it in and then ship everything myself. So I'll probably use a site like Teespring or something like that. But I will make sure to post links to that via my Twitter and Google Plus. So if you're not following me on either of those, You can go on pixelswim.com and 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 look those up. So I'm going to try and create some of that merchandise this week and put the links out there. And then I'll mention it on the next show as well and put it in the show notes for the next show. Hopefully I'll have some time this week to put that stuff together. So, okay, keeping with the feedback that Guillermo provided, uh, he said he would be interested if, if I would talk about Android without the influence of Google. He says, I live in China, so this topic applies to me and would like to know your opinion on it. Like as far as like how competition arises without the influence of Google on Android as it it's after all open source. Android is open source. China is the prime example of a market flourishing without Google. So, yeah, I thought this was a really great piece of feedback and and suggestion for a topic because and I responded to to Guillermo that I have little to no hands on or experience with Android without Google outside of Lineage OS. Um, And I'll get to that in a little bit here. But uh, so I asked, you know, I asked if he could send me any articles about the usage of Android in China. Because I'm not, you know, I'm not adver- I'm not in tune with with how everything works over there, and I'm I'm very interested after, especially after he brought this up, and trying to learn about how that works. Um, so you may already know, but there was a an article that he sent that I actually came across to in my research that was written in July of 2018 or July 20th, 2018. So it's a fairly recent article and it's on a website called abacusnews.com and so it's called android without google welcome to china so that's the 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 title of it by Karen Chu again like i said written on july 20th 2018 and so the subhead here is how does android how does an android phone work without google apps look at china debate over google's dominance revives after eu ruling so I'm just going to read this article. It's not very long, uh, just because it gives a pretty decent insight into what Android looks like in China. And, and, and Guillaume was right. You know, it is an open source operating system that doesn't necessarily have to have Google <laughs> all up in its business. You know, kind of like here, here in the US, it's, it, you'd be hard pressed to find a device with essentially without Google, any Google apps on it, uh signing into Google basically because we are so dependent on the Google Play Store for all of our apps and, and content and stuff like that. And of course, also email and calendar and contacts and all that stuff. So most most people in the US and and a lot of other places, you know, we use the Google services. So. Um, yeah, like I said, I'm going to read this article here real quick and just to because I think it gives a really great overview of how Android works in China. So let's let's dive in here to this article by Karen Chu on abacusnews.com. So it says in most of the world, Google's apps have become so ubiquitous it's hard to find an Android device without some pre-installed. But an EU antitrust ruling this week raised that prospect after it fined Google for forcibly bundling services like search, Chrome and maps on devices. And this is stuff you've probably heard about. Um, anyway. Some have said that they can't some have said they can't imagine using Android without Google. but in the world's largest smartphone market, tens of millions of Android handsets are sold without any Google apps at all. Yep, I'm talking about China. Since 2010, when Google pulled its search engine from mainland China out of censorship concerns, the majority of Google apps and services are blocked in the country. The first thing you'll notice missing on most Android phones sold in China? Google Play. Replacing, replacing it are individual app stores from smartphone makers like Xiaomi, Huawei, Oppo, and Vivo, as well as tech giants like Tencent, Baidu, Sogao, and Chihu. I hope I pronounced all those right. Um, Anyway, so many of these stores actually provide a wide range of Google apps, but most need access to Google servers to run, meaning they can't function without using a VPN to bypass China's Great Firewall. Without Google's default dominance, China's mobile landscape looks very different from the West. According to Chinese data analytics firm Quest Mobile, 10 cents QQ browser led the pack last year among mobile browsers not Chrome China's most popular map app was Gaode Maps not Google Maps the top video app was Baidu's iQiyi <laughs> I'm sorry if I'm butchering these not YouTube so the top video app was Baidu's iQiyi not YouTube and the most popular search engine was Baidu not Google It's hard to see those apps breaking into the West, partially because, realistically speaking, Google apps aren't going away. Unlike China, Europeans can freely seek out and use Google apps, even if they aren't bundled with Android. Given how many Europeans are already hooked on Google's popular services, it's possible that some phone makers will choose to preload Google apps on their devices, even if they aren't forced to do so. It's hard to see this as the trigger for everyone to switch to geode maps, but the ruling does provide hope for the competition, at least according to Firefox maker Mozilla. An executive told the Associated Press this could be a huge opportunity. So yeah, that was just a quick article about that. And so really what this led me to kind of think about and to what I'm gonna thinking about doing to kind of wrap my head around it a little bit better is to take my Moto G third gen that I have now and what I'm gonna do is install Lineage OS on it and and somebody let me know if what I'm saying here is is off base and not exactly what this article means uh, but my assumption here is that I can install Lineage OS without the G apps package on it because if you don't know uh, when you install Lineage OS it does not come bundled with the Google with Google Apps and so you essentially there's a service that you can use called open G apps to download the Google app services that you'd like uh, in order to get the Play Store working and and stuff like that so uh, I'm gonna ins- try installing lineage OS without those open G apps as well and then see if I can get one of these alternative app stores, which I don't know. You know, again, like I'm not 100% sure how this works, but I'm going to try You know, I looked and saw the Xiaomi app store. There's an APK download for that. I don't know if it's, you know, going to work or not, but just experimental. I'm going to try and do that with my Moto G third gen just to see if I can get an idea of of Android without Google. So please reach out and let me know if I'm being stupid or if that's, you know, like you can't get that experience here, you know, kind of a thing. But I'm I'm going to try it. Uh, You can't stop me (laughs) anyway. So thank you, Guillermo, for reaching out about that, about Android in China, because I think it's kind of interesting. And and in my research, too, I came across another article about paying uh, the way that you can pay with your smartphone in China. Uh, it's a, just another article that I found on AndroidPit.com called Five Surprising Things About Smartphone Use in China. And so, again, I'm just going to read through this again because, I, you know, form I, it's hard to form an opinion on this because I really, outside of reading some of these articles, have no, you know, had no experience with this, which is part of why I mentioned the Moto G 3rd Gen and trying to set it up, you know, as a as Android without Google. So again, this article is called Five Surprising Things About Smartphone Use in China. Uh, this is by Stella Dower. Uh, it was written six months ago. So it starts: China is in many ways ahead of us in technology, which may be surprising if you mainly associate the countryly country with cheaper or even fake smartphones. The, this article discusses some interesting differences to help you get to know the ways in which the smartphone ecosystem has developed there. Cultures and trends determine our ways of living, and it can be very different depending on where you are in the world. In China, people are now paying for things mostly with their smartphones. Do you use your device to make payments? If so, how often? And are you familiar with QR codes? Now I've heard of <laughs> QR codes, but anyway, so it goes on. You may joke about China producing fake goods or cheaper smartphones from GearBest or hear in the news about the exploitation of workers at Apple or Foxconn, but it's important to know that China is actually ahead of us in many ways. Us, meaning the US in this article. And then there's a heading here, it says QR codes are huge. Whether you look in Chinese cities, Wherever you look in Chinese cities, you will find QR codes, which are extremely practical and used by establishments and also on business cards, for example. They are absolutely essential in the economy. Paying for things, sending money to others, you name it, it's probably using this code. In addition, you don't have access to the Play Store in China, so when you need to download an app from some kind of service, you do it with QR code. Uh, and stopping here for a second, uh, let me know, <laughs> uh, Guillermo or anybody else, if anybody else happens to be listening in China, if this is accurate, if any of what I'm reading here is accurate. So uh, it goes on to the next header here saying banks are not the only ones dealing with money in the U.S. We have digital payment services such as PayPal, Google Wallet, Amazon Payments, etc., all of which are only used occasionally by most and are not generally used off the Internet. They are also limited in the services they offer. This is not the case, however, in China, where Alipay, WeChat Pay, and other companies play a huge role in people's daily lives. With the availability of these apps, the Chinese barely use banks because they pay for items, transfer money to others, and even pay their bills using these services. And then it says another heading is card payments are not the norm. If you try to go to many restaurants in China and pay for something with your card... Younger staff wouldn't know what to do with the piece of plastic. It says, jokes aside, you could you could pay with cash, although you will be met with a disgruntled look. This is simply because paying for things with your phone is a standard procedure. Smartphones are part of their everyday routine, from buying a bus ticket and paying for road tolls to getting a drink from a machine. The Chinese have essentially skipped past the idea of using cards and begun, began using mobile payments straight away. In the future... Payment with QR codes and smartphones may even be phased out, as Alibaba's supermarket chain, HEMA, is allegedly working on payment with facial recognition. Now, I've seen that on on a side note. I've seen (laughs) that same idea here in the U.S., uh, Amazon potentially doing that kind of thing, where they, you know, you get facial recognition when you walk in, it knows who you are, it knows you're in the store, and then you essentially uh, can charge you based on that uh, on the products you take and all that stuff anyway so the next heading here it says whatsapp and facebook are non-existent if you can live without whatsapp or facebook it's not a good idea if you cannot live <laughs> without whatsapp or facebook it's not a good idea to move to china with the governments in high control over what citizens do these companies are not viewed in the best light almost everything has a national equivalent for example the social network qq replaces Facebook instead replaces Facebook instead of Uber there is DD for private transport searches are made through Baidu rather than Google Tinder is Tantan Tan and Twitter is Weibo now uh, in reference to QQ um when Guillermo emailed me I noticed his uh email address was on a qq.com or a qq domain So that kind of was kind of interesting to read through this article and see that and kind of make the connection there. Anyway, uh, it says instead of WhatsApp, they have WeChat, a highly popular app that also incorporates WeChat Pay, which, as mentioned previously, is the preferred method to pay for almost anything. WhatsApp have in the past thought about a similar concept, but nothing was developed. I've tested WeChat for a while. and It's a cool app in many ways, but limited compared to WhatsApp. There is no message information displayed, so you will only be able to see and respond to messages when you open the app. But I thought the emojis were really cool because they are animated. So that's a little personal note from the author there. Um, and there's another heading here that says Xiaomi is a big player in the smartphone market. It says of course Apple is huge in China as you'd expect, but Chinese manufacturer Xiaomi is not far behind and they don't only make smartphones either. Some of you may already be aware of the company's product line, but those who know little about the brand will be surprised to know what else the company produces. And on a side note, I did kind of already know that Xiaomi was, you know, they made other other products, too. Uh, but they say Xiaomi makes toothbrushes, water and air purifier and air purifiers, sneakers, safety sensors, smart lamps, backpack backpacks, light fixtures, electric bikes and bikes and Various security cameras are all produced by Xiaomi. Brands known in the U.S. such as Samsung, Sony, and LG are virtually non-existent. And in addition to the very popular Apple and Xiaomi phones, you'll also find many handsets from Huawei, Oppo, and Vivo. Do you think we'll be paying with our smartphones more in the future? Do you think paying with facial recognition will become a thing? So that's where it ends. (laughs) Anyway. Uh, again, an article that kind of crosses over with the one that I read previously, but kind of going over some of the differences and a lot of the payment, the ways that payment is different. But yeah, let me know if that that article was accurate. So I'll put links to both of these, of course, in the show notes so you can take a look through. But I'm not done looking into this. Um, Guillermo really sparked an interest in me to kind of figure out the, you know, the differences, the way Android is around the world. So you have (laughs) I mean, understanding that uh, from my perspective here in the U.S., it's obviously very different and I don't close myself off to what the rest of the world is doing. It's just sometimes I, you know, I don't come across it every day. And so thank you, Guillermo, for kind of sparking that interest. I know that (laughs) in the past, not too long ago, I didn't realize WhatsApp was so huge around the world, mostly just because I don't use it here. But I guess it's obviously it's a it's a huge messaging app, uh, especially in Europe, etc. So you know it's just it's a learning process. I by no means claim to be any sort of expert on on the smartphone world. Uh, I just am an enthusiast, and I like. You know, I like getting smartphones and then trying them out and, you know, having hands on and, and seeing what comes out next and stuff like that. But I am no expert by any means. And honestly, most of the people listening to this probably have more expertise, especially in the smartphone world uh, about this stuff. So and, and like I said, being in the U.S., it can be a little bit closed off, you know, it There is kind of a a thing where it's like, oh, you're in the U.S. That's all that matters to you, you know. Uh, And yeah, I would say that that mentality is easy to fall into here in the U.S. Anyway, um, yeah, like I said, I'm claimed to be no expert on this stuff. So I just I need to or I want to start looking more into kind of usage outside of the U.S. just to have a better understanding, you know, of how everything works. So I'm always curious about that kind of stuff. So this isn't to say I'm not a geek. (laughs) <laughs> a big geek, big smartphone geek about this stuff. But it's yeah, it's definitely piques my interest. And hopefully I can get a little bit more into it. And Guillermo also sent me he had mentioned that he uses his old Moto G first gen, I believe, as a thermostat. And there's a project called Android Thermostat that kind of allowed him to do that. And it's, it's a real DIY <laughs> project after I kind of looked into and clicked into it. So where essentially you order a small board that you uh, connect all the wires and everything up to it and it's not for the faint of heart from offhand you know it's not it's not pre-packaged so it's uh, definitely kind of a weekend project uh, to get up and running so kudos to Guillermo for getting for being able to pull that project off but I'll put a link to the Android thermostat Project in the show notes. Uh, there's nothing really too official. It's open source, which is great. You basically have the board and the wiring, and then you connect. You, you can connect a an Android phone via USB and uh, it will use it as a display via an app that you download from the store. You can use the display as a thermostat. Uh, just you know to show temperature and 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 all that stuff but there's also a bunch of settings you know to kind of automate your home thermostat a little bit more again check that out in the show notes I don't want to go too much into it because I didn't go too far down the hole yet but yeah it's definitely a DIYer DIYer (laughs) DIY project for the weekend so um, maybe someday I'll get into it but I don't know if I'll see myself doing that anytime soon but I appreciate Guillermo sending me the info for that All right. So just to wrap things up. Oh, I just had a little bit of feedback. Thank you to uh, or a little bit more feedback to talk about uh, Kyle Helms for reaching out (laughs) about the Gutenberg episode. Uh, He just started up a blog and uh, he said he's essentially going to just start learning Gutenberg now, which is a great idea if you're just starting up a WordPress blog, uh, better dig into Gutenberg now uh, as opposed to getting everything set up and then having to kind of relearn stuff. So yeah, thanks, Kyle, for reaching out about that. always enjoy chatting with him. So yeah, let's wrap things up. Uh, Thank you for tuning in. This was episode 31 of the Pixel Swim podcast. So we've made it we've made it quite far. So uh, oh, and thanks to Mike Latore for reaching out again. And and saying how it's crazy that it's been over six months so it's actually been eight months now i think exact almost exactly eight months i started in january of this year near the end of january so uh yeah uh, again pixelswim.com for all the show notes and social links so reach out if you have any feedback i'm going to try and get that merchandise together and we shall see (laughs) if if i can get that done so just keep an eye out on twitter and google plus for that if you are interested. So uh, have a great night or afternoon or uh, mid-morning with dew on the ground or whatever time it is when you're listening to this. So thanks again and Godspeed.